0: Welcome to the first Special Topics episode of the Oliphant's Weekly Wrap-Up. Today is Thursday, June 4th. I'm Erin Roberts, and this week we're going to do something a little bit different. For Special Topic episodes of the podcast, I'll interview one or two people on topics relevant to the ethylene and propylene markets. Although these episodes will do a deeper dive into specifics, we'll wrap everything up in about 15 minutes. I want to go ahead and mention that each person is recording remotely in our respective homes due to COVID precautions. Please bear with us as we find our footing in this world of live remote podcasting. Today we're talking about NGL markets and their impact on olefins markets. We have Carlo Barassa, who we already know. Carlo, could you explain what you do for IHS Market?
1: Let's see, what do I do? Um, nothing. Absolutely not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I lead the Light Olefin service, uh, the North America Light Olefin service for IHS Market, and I also talk to our clients and our listeners every week on the Olefin's Weekly Wrap-Up.
0: Awesome. Our other guest is Viral Meta, who leads our North America NGL service. Welcome to our podcast.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks for inviting me, and uh, happy to be here and talk about NGLs.
0: Jumping right in, our first question is for both of you, starting with Viral. Over the past month, NGL prices have moved up very quickly. Why is that?
2: That's a good question, Aaron. I think if we just kind of look back, you know, last two or three months, what's happened is with all the commodity markets, I mean, things have been very volatile. And crude in particular has been moving up and down. It came down quite fast from the levels we saw back in January due to COVID-19, you know it crashed and has started to recover up again so ngls have been kind of following the same kind of trajectory and since being a byproduct it usually tracks well with crude for most of the ngls uh, and, but however i think in the last last month or so what's happened is the 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 expectation of supply cuts what we've seen And I think what industry is expecting also has, you know, has kind of there is has been this sense of fear which has been instilled. And, you know, as a result of that, we started to see prices move up Uh, some speculative transactions or some speculative trades that might have happened based on this notion as well, where we are expected to lose a lot of supply due to crude production cuts and also, you know, different uh countries kind of opening up from the lockdowns where they have been in right now. So demand is also recovering. And as a result of that, we're seeing some uh you know, prices have moved up. And ethane in particular, if you kind of think about it, supply reduction from an upstream perspective, also the gas prices have increased in the Permian region, have kind of pushed ethane prices up while demand is also kind of increasing slowly. And propane, a very similar story, you know, U.S. Gulf Coast has been well supplied, but uh, the mid-continent region has, you know, seen some supply cuts from all the shut-ins from Bakken region or the Rockies region. And so it's kind of just, it's the mindset that has gone through at least in the last month or so that, you know, all the supply is going to be lost and has been kind of pushing prices up yeah
1: we've definitely seen the influence on on the cash cost side for for the crackers um especially you know ethane and and, and propane but what i find interesting viral is you know butane you know seasonally you know the crackers consume uh, more butane in the summer uh given the fact that every refiner is uh stuffing butane barrels in caverns in preparation for you know the winter blending season uh but this year might be a little different simply because uh, as you crack more butane, you get more C4 butylenes. And it's just, it's just not a very good market to quote our C4 expert, Bill Hyde. He calls it abysmal, you know, C4s, the butylenes largely go into automotive production. And our automotive group recently put out a note that said global production of automobiles will be 22% lower than it was in 2019. So, when you think about butylenes, they go into tires, belts, rubber hoses, weather stripping, all of that is essentially tied to automotive production. And so, I I think this year might be a little different where, you know, we may not get that uh, uptick in butane cracking uh, like we've seen before in the past.
2: That's that's true. Uh, Again, from a supply perspective, we're expecting overall supply to reduce from the levels we were before. And also the fact that now it is going to be a little volatile in terms of, you know, the recovery of all these commodities and the demand recovery path as well. But off late, what we've seen is now gasoline demand has been picking up as well. So even though butane's not heavily blended into gasoline during the summer months and mostly during the winter months, but overall kind of gasoline demand's increasing. So there is some uh, increase in overall kind of butane consumption to a certain extent.
0: Okay, so taking all of that into consideration over this past month, how do you think that plays into the future, and what's the outlook for NGLs over the next two years?
2: I would say it's grim uh, compared to what we were expecting a couple months ago pre-COVID. The outlook then, if you know, if I had to talk, was all about like booming. You know, it was everything was booming in terms of NGLs and all the other energy commodities in terms of supply and everything. But now since COVID-19 overall outlook has changed, we're not expecting that much growth coming out of NGLs here in the US and even so globally, right, because we're expecting overall slowdown from an upstream perspective in terms of crude oil production and natural gas production. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of keep in mind, you know, NGLs are a byproduct, so it ends up following, you know, what crude and gas eventually ends up doing. So the outlook for the next two years is, you know, we are expecting a slowdown, uh, especially in 2021, and then it starts to recover back up, uh, you know, Towards the end of 2021, but does not get to the same level till much later to what we were initially expecting.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's interesting, Vero, because you know if we're not gonna get the you know supply growth on the NGL side, really the U.S. has been the engine to uh, jumpstart uh, all of this PDH capacity that's been added worldwide. You know, especially in China, right? So I mean, we have China adding you know, the equivalent of 250,000 barrels a day of, of new PDH capacity over the next two three years. And what you're saying is, uh, essentially, we're not going to get that growth in production. So, to me, it just seems like, you know, PDH margins will be pressured during that period. It, it's just going to mean propane's more expensive. So, if uh, propylene prices don't keep up, uh, you know, that'll be an interesting dynamic to look out for. What do you think?
2: No, that's absolutely right, right, because if you think about it, here in the U.S. for the last, I think, few years, maybe three or four years, has become the largest propane exporter uh, globally. So about 40 to 50 percent of propane that is being produced here in the U.S. is being exported, and a a good chunk of it is being used for petrochemical uh, feedstock. And as you said, Carlo, you know, PDHs are expected to come online. There's a lot of growth in that market. But now, if the supply isn't there, then what happens? And you're right, you You rightly said it, that, you know, it is possible that propane prices uh, move up quite a bit to serve the need from a petrochemical perspective. If we see these major cuts in, you know, overall propane supply globally, not just here in the U.S., but globally
1: so i have a question for you vero so you know at what price do we start to get that that growth engine to come back uh, in the us on, on the supply side i mean what what do drillers need they need 40 dollar oil they need 50 dollar oil i mean what i mean i'm sure there's no magic number because everybody's economics are different but i mean by and large if you're going to drill a well right i mean it's going to be somewhat the same cost right
2: right and that's true you know it's it's not one price that applies to all the producers or all the basins across in, in the US. But you know, just talking to our upstream folks who are looking at this pretty closely as well all the time, I think the sense we get is $50 to $55 is what we need uh, on a sustainable basis, right? So not, not like prices going up for a month and then coming down, but on a sustained basis, I think we need about $50 to $55 to see that Kind of growth engine, uh, you know, from a U.S. upstream perspective, kind of pick up and up and running to keep production going. So that's, I think, fifty to fifty-five dollars is the price, if you ask me.
0: Okay, so tying this all back to olefins, as we are the olefins weekly wrap-up. My last question is this: How will this impact olefins and olefins investment in general, or specifically in North America?
1: That's that's a great question, Aaron. I think when we look at uh, the the projects that are already have steel in the ground and they've already been moving forward, you know, Bayport Polymers, you know, Shell in Monaca, Pennsylvania. I mean, those those projects are going. um, But when we look at you know the other projects like PTTGC in Ohio and Exxon Sabic and Corpus, you know, they'll likely move forward, but there's definitely been a delay. PTTGC this week at, uh, you know, has already announced that they're going to delay their FID later, you know, until 2021. And, and so given everything that's happened, right, the investment thesis was feedstock was ample, feedstock was cheap in the US, so come build baby build in the US, right? Uh, that's been turned on its head a little bit now that we've seen Oil prices retreat, um, production come off, and so now it stands to reason that you know these uh, these new projects, at least these new cracker projects, are probably scratching their heads, thinking, okay, do we need to rethink the feed slate? Maybe not PTTGC, you know, since they're in Appalachia, you know, in the uh, in the Marcellus, um, but maybe Exxon, Sabic, you know, maybe they're starting to rethink these uh, these feed slates. Maybe not. I mean, uh, this is purely specul- speculation on my part. But I mean, if I were in their shoes, I'd definitely try to bake in some sort of feedstock flexibility. On the flip side, when you look at uh, propane uh, and propane dehydro, you know, those investments are, are definitely challenged, right? So we can certainly see delays in you know on, on the projects that, that have been talked about. We talk about petrol logistics, Formosa, uh, Sunrise Project and Enterprise definitely delays, if not outright cancellation. But I think the, there's not enough information for people to kind of make those decisions right now. They, I think they, the, uh, I think they'd want to see how production evolves uh, throughout this downturn and how it comes back. So I mean, what do you think, Viral? I mean, is is production going to come back? Uh, Is it going to come back to any significant degree like it was before or is it just going to be, you know, plateauing and running on a hamster wheel because of these decline rates on these wells? Yeah, so you know.
2: It's a from our upstream perspective right now. We are not expecting production to come back up to where we were before, so it's going to be a much slower growth trajectory going forward. Now, a lot of this could change. And again, but that's the outlook that we have right now. And I think one thing that you kind of mentioned, Carlo, was interesting is, you know, some of these cracker projects, thinking about some of the companies, thinking about the feedstock flexibility. And to that extent, you know, there are some other companies out there who were considering building ethane-based crackers here in the U.S. Gulf Coast. What do you think, do you think that they might also Maybe now start thinking about if they want to build, uh, add some flexibility and not just rely on ethane.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a good point, Viral. The, the I think the issue is what what is the long term ethane price that we can expect in, in the U.S. I think that's a critical component whether they want to consider flexibility or not. Um, and I think when you when you look at ethane prices right? I mean, for the longest time, I guess, probably since 2013, all the way, you know, with some spikes here and there, but all the way up until now, it's essentially been tracking gas value, right? And so now, you know, if production's coming off, you know, you have a view, I mean, your your views are, are very apparent, and I think they're valid that people are going to have to pay more for, for ethane to motivate that supply to come from, farther the farther reaches of the US as opposed to really close in the Permian right So if, if ethane prices uh, start increasing um, you know then then I think that that consideration should definitely be on the table for these crackers. Uh, but I think what, what I find interesting though, Viral, is that you know our natural gas colleagues are also calling for higher gas prices which then is a double whammy on the uh, on the ethane prices because now you're moving up the floor, right?
2: That's, that's absolutely right. You know, I think you rightly said it's a double whammy for ethane, not just the gas prices are uh, increasing or, you know, that's kind of lifting the floor for ethane, but also the fact that overall supply availability is being reduced as a function of, as a result of upstream activity slow down. So, you know, what, industry has enjoyed so far here in the U.S. As you said, you know, gas uh, ethane prices have just been, you know, above gas value or at gas value is because largely due to the fact that we've had so much ethane available and, you know, a lot of this ethane was not being extracted and being rejected, as in the demand wasn't there and we were oversupplied. But now we're kind of entering a different era where there will be supply tightness and the demand is also expected to increase so as a result of that we are expecting ethane prices uh, to move up and to be much higher than you know what we were thinking like a few months ago
0: okay well i think it's about time to wrap things up thank you so much for joining us Viral.
2: absolutely it was my pleasure
0: Carlo, do you have anything else to say
1: uh well you know uh not much, so I guess we'll just wrap up the wrap-up.
0: Awesome. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please let us know by liking and subscribing. And if you have any follow-up questions about this topic or want us to cover something else for our next special topic episode, you can send an email to me at aaron.roberts@ihsmarket.com. Until next time.